What is up, CFC basketball fans? It is March 1st. We finally did it. We made it through the weirdest regular season in college basketball history. Now we look ahead to March Madness. The CAA tournament kicks off on Saturday. Charleston is the number three seed. That means they also get a first round bye. They will play Sunday night against Drexel, who is the sixth seed. You can catch that game on Flow Sports. The semifinals and finals will be on CBS Sports Network. And given everything that went down this season, from the schedule being thrown for a loop, to the Brevin Galloway injury, to multiple COVID pauses, not a bad place for Charleston to end up. Uh, keep in mind, this team was picked to finish sixth in the preseason polls. They lost their leading score before conference play even started, but give credit to the players and the coaches. They still managed to outperform expectations, and this tournament is as wide open as any in the country. With the bye, Coach Grant also assures himself a seventh straight trip to at least the quarterfinals. Uh, While he's been the head coach at Charleston, he's never been eliminated in the first round. It's also the fifth straight year that Charleston has had a bye, which goes to the top six seeds. So both nice streaks for the coaching staff to keep alive. And a credit to Coach Grant. Here to preview the CAA tournament is our friend Brendan Doyle from No Bid Nation. That is the William & Mary blog and podcast that you should definitely check out. You may remember Brendan from our season preview episode back in the fall, so it is only appropriate that we bookend this season by chatting with him again, revisiting some of those preseason predictions we had, and seeing how many of them blew up in our face. Before we get to our preview, we are recording this on Sunday, the day that was supposed to be senior night at TD Arena, so I just want to give a quick shout out to the four guys who will not be back next year, Osanachi Smart, Samba Njai, Peyton Willis, and Lorenzo Edwards. All four guys have been model citizens for the men's basketball team, just high character guys, never gotten into a lick of trouble on and off the court. Really proud to have each of them affiliated with our school. Osi and Samba especially have put in a ton of work over the last four to five years, doing everything asked of them despite injuries or redshirt seasons, their roles changing, anything else like that. And then Peyton and Lorenzo, two dudes who came in this summer and stepped right into the starting lineup. I think they're a big reason why the team was better than a lot of us thought it would be, and their contributions were definitely felt this year. So in summary, just big thank you to those four dudes. If you see them either in person or on social media, be sure to give them a shout out. Congrats to all of them. All right, coming up next, Brendan Doyle and I talk CAA tournament. All right, Brendan, we made it to the finish line. (laughs) The wheels came off the season a while ago. The hubcaps spun off. There are plumes of smoke coming out of the hood of the car, but the CAA made it to the regular season. How are you doing? How are you feeling? You know, there were multiple points in this year where I thought we would not reach this point. And there's certainly enough time between now and next weekend (laughs) where uh, things could continue to uh, go off the rails. But but we're going to have a tournament in some some capacity, in some form. Just the fact that you got there, that's that's all you need to do at this point. In, in this year, you got there, there's going to be a tournament. You know, where I, I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> so this was your first time. I know you're obviously a, a William & Mary fan and alum, but this was your first time, you know, blogging and podcasting about the team. What are your overall takeaways from the season? Like, how, how are you going to remember this season? Yeah, see, that that's an interesting question so I, I was talking to the other guys with with no bid nation cameron bray and, and john kearns about how i think we would actually be a little bit disappointed if if this is the year that William and mary actually makes the tournament you know <laughs> it's it's such a weird 
feeling, you know, having been somebody who was at all the games for, for four straight years and uh, would have been that, that this year as well, the season feels like it's been incredibly long. And also with all the stops and starts, like mm-hmm. it barely even started. Um, yeah. So I don't know, moving forward, it's going to, you're going to look back at all the cancellations, all the stops and starts and how fluky this year was. I mean, you look at the, you look at the bracket for, for the CAA tournament and you see teams like Drexel in the sixth spot and UNCW played seven CAA games. All, all of those I think are going to culminate in what is going to be a pretty weird CAA tournament. So I think that's kind of how you'll, you'll look back at this year after all said and done. Yeah, I agree. Um, we always say that the CAA tournament is going to be unpredictable and this season's no exception, but I'm with you. I, I'm going to remember this season for the weird scheduling quirks, you know, lack of a non-conference season, really the starts and stops, just player availability and transfers kind of swinging things. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the predictions we got wrong, but JMU has everybody eligible and they have a fantastic season. You have other people missing games or coming back from COVID protocol. Um, the, the Saturday Sunday games that the CA scheduled. Um, I'm going to remember all that stuff, weird season all around. And I, I'm with you. It felt like, uh, simultaneously like a short season and a long season. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about the CAA's kind of leadership and, and navigation of COVID? Are you a fan? Do you think they could have done more? <laughs> um, well, there's there's been a lot of talk recently about the, the CAA's handling of the schedule, which I'm, I'm sure you've been involved with in some capacity. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but I, I'm giving them a little bit more leeway on this. I mean, I think there's the impulse to automatically, you know, blame a lot of these, the weird stuff happening this year on CAA leadership and the, the will they won't they with some of the schedules that, you know, if, if teams are able to reschedule or not, but I think you, you look out in the, the college basketball landscape as a whole, and it seems as if the CAA really got, overly uh, hit with COVID, you know, there were, yeah, only played like 50% of their games. Yeah. Which I haven't seen a stat on that, but I would, I would venture to guess it's probably one of the the lowest couple of um, Mm -hmm. in, in, in the NCAA. Um, And so with all that, I mean, it's always going to be a mess. (laughs) If you're having 50% of your games canceled, you're, it's going to be a mess. And maybe there were things they could have done better, but it's, it's all about, harm reduction, the sort of like, okay, how are we going to make this the least bad possible? It was always going to be a mess. And, you know, like, like I said, people are always going to rush to judgment on uh, CAA leadership, especially when you talk about like flow and all that stuff that, that there is a history of questionable decision-making, but you're talking about FLO flow, not FLOW, right? FLO (laughs) flow. Flow sports flow, all, all that sort of deal. But, um, but I don't think there's way too much that you could point to this year and say they needed to do this. They needed to do that. I think it was, yeah, it it was just kind of a mess and dealing with it was always going to be uh, tough. Yeah. I mean, obviously I wish the league had a little bit more creativity when it came to contingency plans and, you know, what to do, what's your plan B after cancellations. I don't know if they expected half the games to be canceled, but (laughs) most of my gripes with the CAA are still things outside of their handling of COVID like the fact that there was no nationally televised conference games this year no I don't know how that's possible I don't know what the conversation with CBS sports is like but 
Uh, yeah, the flow deal continues to kind of be a frustrating point for fans and um, hopefully it's something that they can turn around soon, but let's, uh, let's look ahead to the CA bracket. Um, yep. If all 10 teams are going to play in Harrisonburg, I'll just break it down real quick. First round, we have the eight, nine matchup between Elon and Towson. And then later that day, we have the William and Mary UNCW matchup, which I know you'll be watching. Absolutely. Quarterfinals, you've got Hofstra and Delaware in the four five game. JMU plays the winner of Elon Towson, and then Northeastern plays the winner of William and Mary UNCW, and then Charleston Drexel in the three six matchup. Looking at the bracket as a whole, any games or potential matchups stand out to you? Well, see, this is the thing with the way this year has gone that all of these games are. I don't want to say coin flips, maybe weighted coin flips, but coin flips nonetheless. Uh, I don't think there's one or I don't think there's a single game that stands out among the rest. One that I would be interested in seeing, and this this would be a, a second round matchup or a quarterfinal matchup uh, between Elon and JMU, I think could mm-hmm. be a really interesting game. Yep. Just because, I mean, even if you look at the the number one versus number eight, I mean, I think this Elon team is playing its best basketball of the year right now. Uh, they won, what, three in a row? And they seem to be putting it together offensively where uh, they struggled for a large portion of the year. JMU obviously losing Matt Lewis. Uh, you got to see if, if you know, somebody like Vattel Morris can step up and really be the go-to guy for them. But it would be an interesting matchup, I think, and uh, somewhere where, you know, I, I guess it would also be an upset, but you don't you don't go in thinking you're going to see an eight beat a one in, in your CAA tournament. Um, right. So that could very much be – that could be an interesting game, I think. Um, but up and down – the schedule, uh, I, I think you're going to see competitive games. Hofstra Delaware will be a fun one. Uh, Charleston Drexel will be interesting. I think Drexel as the six seed would be favored there. Yep. And then whatever you see in the in the northeastern game, I mean, I think that's got the the chance to be the most lopsided of the corner finals games, whether they play UNCW or William Mary. So. Yeah. Well, the the potential JMU Elon matchup stands out to me too because I agree with you. Elon's the hottest team going into the CAA tournament. They just had a buzzer beater against UNCW. They're definitely playing their best basketball of the season right now. They have all the momentum. Um, And JMU, just the opposite. You mentioned the Matt Lewis injury. I give them the slight edge because they're playing at home, but that's a really scary matchup for a one seed uh, to have Elon. Yep, Hofstra, Delaware, always, always a crowd pleaser. That should be an interesting one. Charleston Drexel, I mean, this is my school, but that game worries the heck out of me because <laughs> if you're a fan of any of the advanced metrics, Drexel is maybe the best team in the CAA, at least on Ken Palm. I think they're the, the top rated, rated team in the CAA. Other kind of stat tracking sites have them as one of the top three teams. So they're way better than a six seed. They're thrown off by the fact that they only played two home games in conference play. They are a better team than they are seeded. Uh, and Charleston has not looked the same since their loss to Elon. I mean, they barely scrapped by against a, a Division II team, and they're going to be coming off a of COVID pause. So I could see them being rusty. Drexel's playing really well. They just beat JMU at JMU, same venue that the tournament's going to be hosted at. So that game is scary uh, for me as a Charleston fan. Yeah, I I absolutely understand why. I mean, if you were to go up and down the 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 seating in the the tournament this year, I mean, you knew it was always going to end up wonky with. Uh, the schedules and everything. Drexel is probably the team that that got the short end of the stick, at least the most out of anybody in the CAA. Um, 
yeah, as the sixth seed, whoever was going to draw them uh, was going to be uh, in for a little bit of uh, it, it wasn't going to be the best uh, three, six matchup. So yeah, your, your Cougars are going to, well, I was, I was rooting for JMU. I was waiting for, yeah. <laughs> I was rooting for William and Mary to get that six seed. No offense. To, to um, be fair. Uh, yeah, we, we were too, but um, yeah, no, that's, that's going to be a tough matchup for you guys. It took a miracle foul against Zepp Jasper for three free throws at the end of that first Drexel game for Charleston to pull out the win at home. And then the second game, Charleston's depth really carried them, but that depth isn't going to matter if it's the first game for both teams. Like Drexel's going to ride Winter and Butler as much mm-hmm. as they can. I think they can they can pull an upset in that first round, uh, especially because they're going to be practicing and have having just played uh, there and just played on the road so much. Yeah, it's it's scary. Um, well, let's not overlook the pig, the play in games, um, or as I affectionately call it hot seat Saturday, your team is going to be playing in that, but out of those four teams, who are you worried about? I, I, we talked about this before we started recording. If there was a coach who loses in that round or just has a bad tournament, is there anyone you could see being on the hot seat coming out of hot seat Saturday? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a tough question. I, I tend to say no, considering the circumstances of this year. Um, I mean, maybe you wonder a little bit about Pat Scary, but I don't feel like there have been that many whispers surrounding him. It, the guy coming into the year who you thought might be somebody in that vein was Zach Spiker at Drexel. Mm-hmm. Um, but considering the way that they've played and the way that their schedule has turned out, um, I, I, I don't think that there's really anybody on enough of a hot seat to have a bad tournament showing really turn that into a firing for them. Yeah. Well, you look at the other three teams besides Towson in that first game, no one's getting rid of a first or second year coach. And I I do think it would be a low blow to get rid of somebody after the season that was, but other teams have fired the coaches. So I I think scary is probably on the hottest seat. He hasn't, he, I don't know if he's ever made a CAA final. He has had some bad, let down tournaments. So mm-hmm. he would be my pick as well. Everyone else is, is probably safe. Uh, what do you think of William and Mary's draw? Uh, see, I, I don't know. I mean, UNCW is probably the, the wild card of the tournament, you know, obviously is the, the 10 seed, but um, only playing seven conference games and uh, not just struggling with COVID, but also with injury. Um, yeah. They've only got what seven guys to play. Yeah, well, I, I believe Shaquem Phillips is back for them, um, which would be big uh, going into the tournament. But I also would worry about UNCW's style playing against William & Mary. I think William & Mary would, would kind of struggle. I mean, you saw against Elon, Elon shot the ball really well. UNCW, I think, can run uh, and get out and transition on William & Mary. And if the Tribe turns the ball over too much, they turn the ball over 21 times on Monday night against Elon. Yeah. And if it's anything close to that, I mean, to be fair, no matter who they're playing, that's not going to get the job done. But I think UNCW's um, style there on, on, turn on that defense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's going to be tough. Um, I think the Tribe definitely has a chance. You never know if, like I said, it's going to be coin flips up and down the bracket. But style-wise, matchup-wise, I, I would not think that it would be a great matchup for the Tribe. That's interesting. Well, let's go to the other side of the bracket. Do you have a favorite? I mean, you, you think everything's going to be a coin flip, but are, who would you who would you pick to represent the CAA in the NCAA tournament? Oh, man. Uh, 
You know, I think I'm probably going to pick Northeastern. Um, yeah. I think they've been the most consistent team in the conference all year long. Uh, I mean, you could probably split that between James Madison and Northeastern, but JMU losing Matt Lewis, they lost the game against Drexel without him. I think that they're going to uh, struggle a little bit, not just offensively. I think they've been okay offensively in that game without him, but they miss his defense. Um, and I don't know if they'll be able to contain some of the guards if you get you know, somebody like Hunter McIntosh in this, uh, the quarterfinal, uh, if Elon gets through or guys like Jalen Ray, Ryan Allen, I, I don't see them getting through to the, uh, the, the championship game uh, on that side of the bracket. But Northeastern, they have, like I said, been, been consistent all year. Tyson Walker, I think, is probably would have been my second choice for CAA player of the year behind Matt Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamil Telford is probably going to end up being an all freshman team player and, and might win rookie of the year. But, you know, as they say with, with Bill Cohen, he, his teams always play their best in March. They, they always seem to get on a roll. Um, the only thing that concerns me is that uh, when, when the tournament comes around this weekend, they won't have played for three weeks. Um, and you see what happens to teams when they come off COVID breaks, they, they tend to, uh, not really have it together, but if I were to to pick a team, disregarding that, it'd be it'd be Northeastern, I think. Yeah, I've got the same pick for a lot of the same reasons. Uh, Northeastern has the depth; they have definitely have the coaching advantage. I would it would be tougher to pick between them and JMU if Matt Lewis was still in the court, but I think that's a a potential game changer for JMU. Uh, you mentioned Morse maybe stepping in for him, but still a tough blow. I'm right there with you between Tyson Walker and Matt Lewis being POI picks. Um, Walker definitely made a convincing case. So I think he can carry Northeastern all the way, which is crazy considering where we had both these teams in the preseason. And and we'll get to that in a little bit, but depth coaching guard play seems to, seems to favor Northeastern. It's going to be interesting though, to see how all of these teams play uh, because most of them are going to be coming off some sort of, long break um so yeah we could be in for some sloppy basketball saturday and sunday but yeah I'd, I'd bet on uh coach cohen even despite northeastern's youth yep absolutely i would as well <laughs> what about a team that's lower in the seedings who could potentially steal a bid or, or make a run uh we mentioned elon and drexel would would it be one of those two mm, yeah i mean those would probably be my two I, I i think drexel is a little bit of a cheap pick here because you know you, you talk about how um like even the eye test, they, they look a lot better than their record. Um, but obviously at the top of the league in Ken Palm and that sort of stuff, um, Elon would have been my other pick. Uh, I think they can surprise some people. Um, I think they're better than the eighth best team in the conference right now. Um, yeah, they've got the shooting. I feel like that has rebounded from them. Maybe it wasn't um, quite, uh, quite there earlier in the season, but they seem to have found their stroke a little bit. Uh, and they've also... They've, they will have played, uh, I believe, three weekends in a row at the tournament, and getting that consistency, I think, will be important for uh, for these teams. They, they, they're not going to be rusty, I guess, uh, compared to a lot of the other teams that will be coming off of pauses. So I think they can they can surprise some people. And they're, uh, and they're finally healthy. I mean, yeah, that, they've got that Wooten too. back, um, who hit the game winner against UNCW. Darius Buford's playing great as a freshman. Hunter McIntosh is you know, Mr. Consistent. So yeah, Elon's a, Elon's a good bet there. Are we overlooking Hofstra and Delaware? I mean, we're going to say all this and now Hofstra, <laughs> either Hofstra or Delaware is going to win the whole thing. Yeah. I don't know if overlooking is the right word, but, but they're certainly, see, I'm not all that impressed with Delaware as a team. 
and and maybe that's just because I got my best look at Delaware when they were decimated by injury. Um, they had eight healthy guys when they played William and Mary and had to cancel the second game because uh, Ryan Allen got hurt. So they were down to seven. That's right. Yeah. Um, so maybe they're better than I remember. Dylan Painter is a guy who I think makes an impact on both ends of the floor. Um, and given that he's the best big man in the league would be my, I'd call him the best big man in the league. Uh, I'd say he's right up there. James Butler's pretty good too. That's true. That's true. James Butler's there too. But yeah, I think he could, he could kind of carry the team and you've got the the combination like Drexel does with, um, with Butler and, and winter. You've got the combo between Ryan Allen and, and Dylan Painter there, the kind of guard big combo that uh, I think could overwhelm a team like Hofstra. Um, if they, Hofstra is not a team that is <laughs> incredible defensively. So uh, if they go cold a little bit, um, I could see, Delaware taking that game and maybe uh, riding it out a little bit. It's funny that that's going to be a matchup between the defending champs and the team that after last season, everyone picked as the favorite. Um, kind of funny that they're yeah. matched up with one another and we're basically overlooking it for more for the juicier <laughs> matchups down the, down the bracket. Yeah. Well, I think we're in agreement with a, a lot of stuff that's going to happen, which means we're probably going to be gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So on that note, I wanted to switch it over to, our preseason predictions. Uh, you and I got together for a pair of podcasts before the season kicked off. So I wanted to go back to what we discussed uh, this past fall, uh, take credit for something you were right about um, and take it on the chin for something you were dead wrong about. Uh, <laughs> do you want to go first or should I go first? Oh, I, I can go first. Okay. Um, I believe in our, uh, our our preseason podcast on on Holy City Hoops, I believe I said that Zane Martin would be the player of the year. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's on my list as well. <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't quite turn out as well. I mean, he was, I, I think he was their best player all year. He was Towson's best player, but I mean, considering the way that Towson played, um, and even his performance within that, I, yeah, no, I, I'm not even sure he's going to be second team, uh, all, all CAA, but yeah, no, I was, I was very wrong about that. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll, I'll go next. Um, I picked, I believe, on your podcast that my pick for team to underachieve was Northeastern. Um, so mm. I will take that one on the chin. I said, <laughs> well, I wasn't totally wrong, though. I said, I was like, you know, Tyson Walker is really good. And then other than that, it's a bunch of dudes. Tyson Walker might be the player of the year. So yeah. am yeah. I really that wrong? But uh, yeah, I knew when I said it that betting <laughs> against Bill Cohen was was probably a bad idea. Um, yep. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take the L on that one. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, I, you did say at the time that you, you did, you were not sure why you were making that pick because they were going <laughs> to prove you wrong. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd say for one, I was right about, which almost a, a backdoor sort of getting right about this was Drexel. Um, I, I think I picked them as a team that I thought was going to underachieve. Uh, and I, they ended up as the sixth place team in the conference when, uh, what, what were they preseason? Were they, uh, I don't remember. I, right. I think they were like four. Yeah. Well, they were, they were towards the top of the league, um, third or fourth, but um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're better than that in terms of the actual play on the court, but, um, but they underachieved. They, they got the the six seed in the, the tournament. So <laughs> I'll, I'll take credit for that one, even if it wasn't quite how I, how I meant it. Can I take credit for Elon finally playing as well as I thought they would? <laughs> <laughs> Took them long enough. Even though they're in the play-in round and they were my pick as like a dark horse favorite. 
Um, maybe I get like partial credit for that. <laughs> um, I think yeah. I was right about UNCW not being very good. Um, I didn't know. Yeah. I, I liked the Siddle hire, but I was just like, you know, it's tough to win as a first year head coach. So I, I don't know what UNCW is going to do. Uh, and they ended up not being very good. Yeah. Uh, geez. I feel like it's been so long since we've done those. I, I can't even remember any of my, uh, any of my predictions and maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> I, I feel like I was optimistic about Byington cause he was, he has some CFC roots, but I yep. certainly was not calling them a contender or uh, I don't even know if I picked them to like not be in the basement, but I think I said some nice things about coach Byington <laughs> if that, if that counts for anything. I, I, yeah. We'll, we'll give you that one as well. You take what you can get here, considering the uh, some of our misses. Well, I uh, yeah, okay, let's go for uh, yeah. I, I would say picking JMU at the bottom of the conference is probably an L, but Byington was a was a good coach. Yep. Um, I had picked Charleston to overachieve, and based on seeding alone, they they did that. They were picked third in Ken Palm, I think sixth in the polls, and they finished seeded third. So. Yep. I was right about that. I, I was encouraged by the transfers and the guard play. And even though Galloway went down that, that those two things kind of ended up carrying them. So I'll, I'll take that one. Um, but I don't know if that's reflective of, you know, like me being <laughs> Nostradamus or me just being like a fan and, and them <laughs> overachieving based on a, a really weighted schedule their way. Yeah, no, I mean, I, Charleston is the, you guys are a weird team to figure out. Um, it's no been kidding. a lot of, a lot of up and down this year. I mean, you can say the same about, about the tribe. And I, I think William Mary ended up about where, well, I, I think we as a podcast, <laughs> as no bid nation thought that they would um, somewhere in the lower half of the league, but maybe with the chance to beat one of the better teams in the league once or twice. Um, now we, we didn't really get that chance uh, considering we, we didn't play Northeastern or James Madison or Charleston for that. matter. Yeah. You didn't play any of the top three seeds. Wow. Um, yeah. But yeah, a lot of of up and down, a lot of youth, um, and I think we expected we expected that uh, going into the year. Our two schools are on the same side of the bracket, so if William and Mary can can go two and zero to start, we we may get that Charleston William and Mary matchup that we didn't get in the regular season. <laughs> yes, do, does the uh, the Kaplan curse count elsewhere in Virginia, or is it just a Kaplan? <sighs> I, I like your chances playing in Virginia against CFC. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I think. I would still like William and Mary's chances there. Yeah, man. Um, so I am nervous about Charleston's matchup. I think I think William and Mary is going to skate by UNCW. Um, I know you're yeah. worried about the turnovers, but UNCW's not very good. And I, I think William and Mary's just a, a little bit better That's of fair. a team. But JMU could go down. Hofstra could go down. It's it's going to be interesting. Are you going to tune in for all the games, or just uh, once William and Mary's out, are you going to tune it out? Oh no, I'll be I'll be tuning into all of the games. It'll be uh it'll be interesting to see what happens on uh on Sunday. I think you're going to see a couple of upsets. Um although who even can can we even call them upsets if we have no idea like the 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 Drexel Charleston game as we talked about is that even going to be an upset if Drexel wins? Um so Yeah, no, I think I think I think Drexel's going to be favored. Yeah. Uh, pretty pretty telling. Yeah. But um, but we'll we'll see some unexpected results and and it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, Tuesday night. Get all the way there and see what happens. Well, it's been a while since the CAA had a team pull an upset in March Madness, so I'm just hoping that whoever comes out of the CAA can can be competitive against whoever they're seeded against. I don't see the CAA getting better than like a 14 seed at at most. 
Um, yeah, probably more in like the 15, 16 range, depending on who comes out of the league. But yeah, it's going to be a very interesting tournament and we'll just have to tune in and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is one of the the rare years where you can actually say you can make a case for one through 10 to win the tournament. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, of course. One through, I, I, one through nine. I don't know. One through eight, <laughs> nine. <laughs> either way, either way, you can make a chance, uh, a case for nearly every team to win the tournament so yeah yeah and you can't say that about most conferences yep all right brendan well i'll let you get out of here um we'll i'm sure we'll be in touch when the games get going but thanks for coming on the pod again and kind of bookending the season and helping us preview the, the tournament yeah absolutely thanks for having me all right take care man you too